so Marco takes his dad to uh, the king house, to the chi, um, and uh, basically like goes up to the door. And he's like, Dad, it's about to get weird. Please, Dad's not homely. It can't get any weirder. Dad, just a suggestion, but when you're dealing with Animorphs, never say it can, can't get any weirder. It always does. Um, and Eric opens the door and sees Marco and his dad standing on the doorstep and is just like, uh-oh. Yeah, I said. I know. Does he? Uh. And... <laughs> I fucking love Eric. He's so good. There's some good there's some good chi content in this book, I have to say. And so uh Eric lets them in. Mr. King is sitting on the couch just in full android nakedness. Um and Marco's dad is just like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> um and Basically, Marco's like, hey, Eric, I need you to let my dad lay low here for a while, uh, because everyone is after him right now, uh, and it's bad. Um, <laughs> Eric's like, of course he can stay. Does he like dogs? Um, <laughs> and Eric uh, is like, don't worry about... Uh, everything else um you know we'll handle it um we'll give the yurks just what they want to see you and your dad alive and well and seemingly clueless um and like have changes to, his I, hologram yeah mm -hmm. i just have to give a shout out to the fact that actually peter does not like nora's dog yeah it's revealed here like has us basically the same opinion marco does of uh, Euclid, um, yeah. which is hilarious to me. Now, granted, the Chi have actual dogs and not <laughs> tiny, small, angry things. I know plenty of dog lovers that don't know like those kinds of dogs. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, I am off the topic. Let's get back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like Jade said, Marco's dad immediately pivots to being like, Holograms? Androids? This is the best day of my life! Um, <laughs> he's like putting his hand inside Eric's hologram. Which Eric handles very well to be up to a point. I love this detail. He gently removes his, Eric's hand from his hologram guts. Yes. As, very polite. Uh, yeah. Eric frowned like Dad was infringing on his dignity, but he was polite about it, which is just... <laughs> that's the chief for you. Um, and now we get uh, the beginning of some of this uh, manipulation by Marco of Peter, because Peter asks about Nora and, like... Um, Someone has to look out for her. You're able to protect holograms of me and Marco, but, like, are we gonna save Nora? Um, and Eric and Marco kind of look at each other, both of them recognizing that, like, she yerked, yo. Um, <laughs> Bro. <laughs> nah. <laughs> if she uh, wasn't Eric before. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll do everything in our power, Eric said, but you have to realize the yerks move fast. You should prepare for the worst. I looked at my father's pained, exhausted face, and my stomach sank. I risked my life almost every day on all sorts of crazy visions, and yet I'd chosen not to go back for Nora. Now she was probably by beyond help, and it was my fault. I decided Dad wasn't ready for the truth. They won't touch her, I lied. She's at school most of the day. Everything will be fine. Dad looked comforted. Did he? Did he? <laughs> Uh, it makes you wonder if he's whether or not he truly believes it or not. He might recognize it for the lie that it is, mm -hmm. but he recognizes the kindness that his son is doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's and it's also like Marco is probably beating himself a little too much up about it, mm -hmm. just because like it's not that. His dad was like, 
constantly being like, we need to go back, and Marco being like, no, 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 no. Um, it's like his dad tried to circle home in the car chase, and Marco being like, no, you can't go there. Um, because they'll track us. They'll get to us. Um, and like, sure, every time since then, he's been like, no, we can't go there. But that's because by this point, it's too late. Like, if they hadn't gotten her during that car chase somehow, they... They weren't going to. They weren't going to get to her before the Yerks did. Um, and, like, it's understandable why Marco made the choice that he did. He's just, he is backwards, not, like, the opposite of justifying. He is backwards blaming himself for, like intentionally uh maliciously leaving mm. Nora behind which is really, not what happened which is not what happened um but yeah it's it's still it's rough to be like oh yeah we're going to do all of these things to save you but we're not gonna save mm-hmm. her yeah um and and that's rough and like you have to wonder if, like, in in the, the time frame of this book, if Peter and Jake have a conversation at all. Mm. Um, because, like, what do you... What do you do? How do you do this without tipping off the Yerks that, like, this is... This mm. is because this person is personally important and not because this person uh, was creating Z-Space transponders. Like, <laughs> like, the fact that Peter was saved at all by an Andalite bandit already begins to stretch the mm-hmm. lines of credibility in terms of yeah. their Andalite bandit uh, disguise. And so there's no mm. way they could save Nora without tipping that even further. Just like they mm-hmm. can't save Tom without totally blowing Jake's cover out of the water. Yeah. Um, and, uh... It, it just, it sucks for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. All around. Uh, I said there are no winners here. Mm-hmm. Um... But Eric leads uh, Peter down into the Chi dog park, um, and Marco pulls Eric aside and is like, are you gonna be okay pretending to be me and my dad? Because, like, the Yerks definitely want us dead. Um, and Eric's like, it'll be fine, I can resist low power attack by dragon beams. And Marco's like, what about full power? And Eric's like, <laughs> eh. Depends on the angle, the duration, luck. How, what's in the way? Yeah. Marco, my programming only forbids me to use violence, even in the best of causes. It doesn't forbid me to die. Yeah, well, I do. Like, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Especially given the way the Chi get talked about so often in terms of their pacifism. Uh-huh. Like, I do like that there's actually a detail in this book that forbid that explains why the Chi maybe don't do more. Because any like working on helping humans with technology that could aid in warfare mm-hmm. is not is against their programming. But seeing again Marco being like, No, you don't get that, no, don't you don't get to die. No. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like a very jade thing to say, is my point, and it makes me happy. But because Marco is so often seen as, and views himself, to be clear, as like, I see the what the hard line between it, points A and B, being like, I don't want to see our allies die. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he cares about Eric here. Yeah, Like, that's not a throwaway. That's not just a jokey. Like, you don't, this is banter. He but He's bantering with Eric here. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> hello, 
Marco's love language is shit talking. <laughs> like we have seen this, we know this. Um and it just makes me real happy. And just I love my I love my son. <laughs> and just the fact the notion that you're like, yeah, I like Eric. Eric's great. He's not allowed to die. <laughs> He's a friend. Mm-hmm. It's just I, it just means a lot and it's just like that little small detail Ellen Giroux your characterization of Marco especially here but just generally everybody is incredibly good thank mm-hmm. you for this gift of this stunning meal yes I feel very sated yeah some good fucking food some good fucking food uh so uh, Eric takes Peter down into the dog park. Peter almost immediately starts to fall asleep because fair. Adrenaline wore off. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Marco goes back to the barn where the others have already gathered. Um, and uh, Rachel is kind of like guiltily looking away from him, uh, which tells Marco that she already told everybody else what happened. Um. Everybody in the room, uh, Marco describes everybody in the room as essentially hostile. How much Um, is that projection, do you think? uh, Probably a good portion of it. Um, Yeah. Like, he's probably picking up on something. Yeah. But he's reading it as hostile. Yes. Um, Like, he, before anyone says anything... He immediately is like, go ahead, you can say it, I'm crazy, stupid, insane. Silence. What could I expect? I'd shown Jake that he was right not to trust me. I'd done just what he was afraid I would do. I hadn't done the right thing. I'd let emotions get in the way of reason. And I wasn't any happier about it than my friends were. And he continues, there's no excuse, but here's what happened. One second I vowed not to let the Yerks... I vowed to let the Yerks infest my father... The next second, I was battling a dozen hork Rachel said there were four, Axe said. <laughs> um, Jake is like, do you have any idea what this means? Uh, and Marco's like, uh, he tries to make a joke about it. Like, it means there's no more math tests. <laughs> and then he kind of just sits down and puts his head in his hands. Um, and he's just like, I know, I'm sorry. Um, and Cassie I really- is... Mm-hmm. I just want to pull attention to the detail because I did double back and check this mm-hmm. um, of what Marco actually thinks is right. Because mm-hmm. at the top, he's like, Jake didn't trust him what to do was right when if his family was involved. Mm-hmm. When he goes through the window at the house, that was it. This was the end of smart and the beginning of right. Mm-hmm. And then here again, I didn't do the right thing. And it's just like, what this says about Marco as a person and like his own instincts. Um, hi, hello. Yes, I'm sad about Marco. None of you are surprised. But deep down, the right thing is the compassionate thing is the saving people. Mm-hmm. And I think so often, um, and this is sort of like the society we live in, and there's a lot of bullshit around like red pulling and stuff like that about how the smart choice, the intellectual choice is the superior one. Yeah. And that how emotions shouldn't come into it. Yeah. And I'm really glad that K.A. and Ellen in this instance are just like, actually, you know, the emotional thing, the thing you do out of love Mm -hmm. can be the right thing, yo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mark, and the fact that, oh, now I'm thinking about just like how when push comes to shove, Marco does a thing that Bob people might argue is the good thing because mm-hmm. his instinct is to do the good thing the right yeah. thing mm-hmm. not just because he can think of the smart thing yeah the not fun thing he should i'm gay and emotional mm-hmm. uh. my default state of being <laughs> but just the fact that he has this dichotomy inside himself mm-hmm. and like this being Marco's debate about what he thinks should be the right thing or what he intellectually thinks is the right thing. 
and what in his heart is the right thing is just mm-hmm. mm, mm, I feast. Yeah. It's uh you know, it it makes me think about like Marco's how Marco does in school, oddly enough, because like mm. he's terrible at math but can bullshit a paper the day before it's mm-hmm. due. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me think about, like, in math, there's always an objectively correct answer. <laughs> but in an essay, mm. there isn't. Uh, and just this this idea of, like, he hadn't done the correct thing. Mm. but he did the right thing yeah he's not going to get an A in doing a war Mm -hmm. (laughs) to call back to our favourite and oft referenced (laughs) getting a grade in things that is absolutely possible to do and uh, normal to want (laughs) yep Um. I suppose there's an upsetting thing here about like um if you're going to be in a war, you at least want to say you did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like you did that, you made choices for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Because you need to be able to justify things to yourself. And now just thinking about like the various kids and like what we were experiencing with Cassie as poorly as it was written about choosing not to do small, quote, bad things to balance mm-hmm. the scales. Mm-hmm. against the deaths <sighs> yeah i think these books might be good <laughs> what's up with that <laughs> yeah it's weird <laughs> weird uh cassie is of course compassionate she says no one ever said it was easy for you i know i couldn't i couldn't sit by and watch the yerks take my parents And Rachel comes to Marco's defense. And you shouldn't, Rachel said fiercely. Cassie's right. Marco acted like a human being. She paused. There's a first time for everything. Uh, Because she also, (laughs) she has to soften the... Can't be too nice. Can't be too (laughs) sympathetic. He needs to know. (laughs) Yeah. And interestingly enough, immediately after that statement, Marco acted like a human being, the two protests we see are from Axe and Tobias. Hmm. Axe says the action was imprudent. You acted alone and publicly. And Tobias says the Yerks will track down everyone connected to your dad, starting with you, ending with the rest of us. Um, and both of them, no one is yelling. Everyone is just kind of like calmly being like, Hey, I know that you know the stakes, but like, these Just were some high stakes, clear. bro. <laughs> um, but Marco says, like, Eric and I have a plan for that. Um, and Jake just kind of like takes this weird middle ground, like, well, we can't go back in time. What's done is done. The point now <laughs> is that we know the Z space device exists and like immediately changes the direction of the conversation. Mm hmm. Um, but like, yeah, I don't think anybody is nearly as mad at Marco as he is at himself. Yeah, absolutely. And like, even Axe, like when he, when he's saying what is arguably the most, like his statement is maybe the strongest of everybody here. And mm-hmm. even then it's like, your action was imprudent. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. But he's saying it with concern. Yeah. Right? Like, everybody here recognizes this was a no-win situation, and we understand why you did what you did, even if we don't necessarily agree with it. Um. Yeah, because it's said clearly, and Marco, there's, it is concern on his face. Mm-hmm. Hey, hello, Marco can read expressions on Axe's face. What's up? <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Um, and yeah, Marco does also bring up, yeah, look, me and Eric have got a plan. Um, 
so the subject turns to this device and uh and Rachel's immediately like yeah we've got to get it uh Mark being like no uh everyone if the yurks have um they're going to have made controllers of everybody at that lab um it's suicide try and get it and Rachel points out yeah if we get our hands on this then we have a mega megaphone to the universe an interplanetary cell phone. I believe the device would require more than a single lithium-ion battery. Act said practically. <laughs> um, and Ray counters like, you know what I mean? I'm talking about communication with the forces that matter, direct communication with the Andalite fleet. Not if we're dead. Tobias smothered. And Rachel's like, ugh. <laughs> um, she's just... I, I just, I love these kids. Cassie's like, well, but Earth's not an Andalite priority. We know that. Um, what good will it do to contact a fleet that can't help us or doesn't want to? Mark counters, well, we don't actually know that. None of our information is firsthand. Um, and Rachel went there like, what is the matter with you guys? Don't you realize that an X space, uh, sorry, a Z space transponder means access to all Z space transmissions? Isn't that right, X? Yes. So it's not just a way to phone home, it's a chance to intercept Yerk transmissions. And Mark is, I mean, how didn't I see it? How often do you get a chance at interplanetary surveillance, a chance to bug a Yerk telephone? I, I have to read this out loud because it makes me mm -hmm. real happy. Uh, I, Axe hesitated, began to pace and spoke again. This human-made device is seemingly at least equal or even superior. I swear he was trying to stop himself from choking on the words superior to yerk technology. Um, look, I said, whatever this device is, however complicated it is, it was built with man-made components, right? Axe looked increasingly annoyed. <laughs> It took Andalites three millennia to breach the confines of the homeworld with a simple combustion rocket. Our race matured greatly before Z-Space was discovered. We were ready for the challenges. We were prepared for zero-dimensional travel and communications. I know, Axe, humans are absurd and immature, but you're missing my point. If the device was built with man-made components, my dad should be able to recreate it. This time, a definite choking sound. I mean, you should be able to recreate it. Dad could help. The amended statement seemed acceptable to Which is <laughs> just like, mm, I love this so much. <laughs> um, but Jake gives it the go-ahead. Uh, so uh, deeming it as too important not to try. So Axe and Marco head over to Eric's. Um, Axe is very approving of the grass at the King House. Um it occurs to Marco that maybe like part of the programming that the Chi have might be that they're not that, that they are prevented from harming the environment any more than is necessary. Um uh, the only reason Marco doesn't counter the grass is delicious, fresh and tasty, is because his mouth is halfway between beak and mouth, so he can't speak anything. Um we get a uh, vocabulary with axe as we head inside. <laughs> um, and the note that the TV has been on for a year now, which is just very good. Axe, however, gets distracted on their way to head downstairs. Um, there is a crunching sound in the kitchen. Um, the fridge is open. The chi are very hospitable. Milk and cookies were waiting for us in the fridge. Axe had decided it was still snack time. Uh, the, uh, they believe in brand name snacks also because uh, Axe is having a moment with Oreos. Um, sometimes it's easy to forget the boy is a warrior. Um, but their kids head downstairs. Um, so the visual of his dad reclining peacefully with several dogs curled up his si at his side when he saw me he mouthed shh and motioned to a sleeping puppy which is just <laughs> adorable um he seemed relaxed almost too relaxed maybe he'd faced his new reality maybe he'd simply blocked it out um listen dad I whispered over the puppy. <laughs> Me and my friends need your help. Your work on the Z-Space transponder might be the most important thing that's ever happened to us. It could change everything. I think I said those exact words yesterday, he said wistfully. Could you build it again, Dad? The question seemed to shake him in his dream world. He sat up abruptly and the dogs scattered. 
And he's like, well, no, I'd need to be at the lab, all my calculations, the equipment, the instruments, not to mention the components. It would be impossible. And Axe, who is still in human morph at this point, just like, we cannot permit you to return to the lab. The Yerks control it now. They will be waiting for you. I am well versed in space field theory. I can help. I can help you build the device. <laughs> and Peter's just looking at Marco like, this guy. Um, Axe looks like any ordinary, slightly awkward junior high schooler. Maybe a little better looking than average. After all, he did carry my DNA. <laughs> also growth. Not weirdly attractive, just better looking than average. Um, and he reminds Peter that he and Axe have actually met before. Uh, Peter thought he was weird. Yeah, that's because he's an andalite. Elfanga's younger brother, Sean Axe. And Peter's like, no, he really doesn't have to. And, and Axe is already morphing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter's just gawking. Uh, Marco calls him on it and he closes his mouth. Um, and his dad's just, I can't believe it. Which is then we get the line, I think all science types secretly believe in aliens. First Eric, then dad. Uh, then Axe. Dad had to be pleased. Uh, and then Axe, how far have you progressed towards Z-space penetration? To which I go, still not because you have reason to use the term <laughs> penetrate, but here we are. Because <laughs> um, I'm very mature. Um, but we get the detail that they successfully detected the substellar background radiation with a working prototype last month. The phase shift we measured was in precise confirmation with our theories. We are, I mean, we're about to attempt a pulse clump transmission. That seemed to interest Axe. It seemed to give me a headache. Um, that's the very simplest form of subspace transmission, analogous to early human radio transmissions using Morse code. Exactly. If the pulsed clump transmission is successful, full spectrum com- communications will be a simple extension of the work. Learn to crawl before you walk, I commented to no one. And it's just, then uh, we get the line, there's one very large obstacle, Dad said. We'll never be able to acquire the necessary equipment and components. They're not the sort of things you can pick up at Radio Shack. I like Radio Shack. <laughs> sure, so do I. <laughs> but they don't sell stellar coordinators. Um, he proposes that the Chi maybe help them and we get the um, explanation that they can't assist in the transfer of technology. Or even they cannot participate or assist. Um, that could en- anything that could enable war and destruction. Um, then there's no hope. Dad said, leaning back against the tree. Dad, 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 you underestimate your son. Burglary in the name of justice and freedom, of course, as among the great variety of talents the animals possess. You want it? We can get it. Dad looked disturbed. Marco, you can't just... Don't worry, we only take from controller-run corporations and we'll find a way to make everything okay when the war's over. Uh, but that doesn't make it right. Dad, nothing is right anymore. He was silent for a moment. Then he rose to his feet and looked at us. Well then, boys, let's get busy. <laughs> and, yeah. And we cut to a interesting chapter. Because we cut to Marco and his dad packing a suitcase. Um, and his dad is talking about how he can't wait to get away from uh, the people at his office. I'm glad I had those sick days stored up. People get all crazy over some stupid piece of electronics that probably won't work anyway. Uh, and uh, Marco's like, um, why, why, do we, why are we leaving right this second? Why can't we wait until Nora can get some time off? Why do we have to go away now? I told you already, Marco, he said, tossing a faded bathing suit into the bag, because I need to get away from work for a while. It's obvious that idiotic device I've been working on is important to somebody. God knows why, but I'm in danger because of it. Kidnapped and held prisoner by some nutbags and costumes? I don't need that kind of stress. Let someone else finish the project. Uh, and then the door bursts open, and four controllers with dragon beams uh, obliterate Marco's dad, uh, and then Marco. Um, except it wasn't actually Marco's dad and Marco, uh, because they were holographic projections done by Mr. King and Eric. Um, and the the controller just burst in, fry them, and leave. <laughs> it's dressed just- as cops, just to be clear. <laughs> Oh, this is true, yes. Dressed as cops. Um, 
And it's just... Uh, it is it is incredibly funny to me, just the, the complete uh, banality of it. Because um, mm. we're used to, like, Visser 3 doing shit, and he, he, he would come in and, like, wreck the whole house. But no, this, this like, strike force comes in, does their job, fucking leaves. Um... Um, Mr. You can't King- fault the efficiency, frankly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Eric is okay. Uh, Mr. King was heavily damaged by the dragon beams. Um, but Eric is like, he'll probably be okay. We have to repair him, but we have to get him home. Um, uh, so, you know, he basically like picks up Mr. King, um, starts heading towards the door. Marco offers to help. And Eric's like, can you deadlift 500 pounds? No, thanks. <laughs> um, and Marco looks out the window at the people, the controllers who came in. They're kind of stopped talking to Nora out front, uh, which means that Nora has definitively been taken. Um, and... Uh, Marco has a moment of very intense, like, feeling ill about it, wanting to cry almost, um, because Nora had been very nice, and could he have saved her? Could anyone have saved her? Um, The Yerks must have taken her away in the night as Dad was begging me to let him return home to get her. I'd known she was in danger, and I'd done nothing. that was wrong. What was worse is that a part of me had wanted her out of our lives. My stomach squeezed tighter. No. I hadn't wanted it to happen. No. I thought about my father. Can a person take that kind of loss twice in a lifetime? The death of the person they love most? The one they eat breakfast with each day? The one they sleep next to each night? No. It would break him. The way losing mom had. And it's just like... Marco beating himself up for <sighs> like I can definitely mm. understand why he's beating himself up here because like yeah. on the on the one hand he definitely didn't really have another choice but he's not really beating himself up for the choice he made so much as why he made it or why he thinks he made it yeah, we're we're back to that thinking about bad things makes is as bad as doing the bad thing. Yeah. That he's want to do he's prone to doing. Yeah. And like kid, no, wanting her to not be there is not the same thing. It's not equivalent. And it makes my heart ache for him. Yeah. Like kid, you're dealing with enough. Yeah. And also like Wanting her out of your lives is not the same thing as wanting her to be captured and yerked. Mm-hmm. Like, even if he did, like, some part of him was kind of like, you know, gosh, I wish she would just disappear so that my family could be safe and happy again. Like, there is no universe in which Marco would be like, yes, I hope she gets yerked so that uh, she's out of our lives. Like, that's not who he is no not at all um but uh they head out there is a very nice quip here um from eric uh who's like yeah i'll project a hologram as i walk mr king home uh an image of something slow moving i do a pretty good garbage truck which is great. Uh, and Marco is, as he's leaving, is kind of hit with this realization that, like, this is it. He's, for all for all intents and purposes, as far as the life he used to know, he's dead. Uh, no school, no dates, no video games, nothing normal again. Uh, and 
he considers taking a photo of him and his dad that's small enough that he could carry it as an osprey, but then just decides not to. Um, and we cut to Axe trying out this transponder. Um, he's tried to get the translator working, uh, but it's not really, so he kind of has to act as go-between translator. Um, and they kind of are fussing around with it, trying to get something, um, definitive. Um, and... Uh, Axe basically tells the Animorphs, like, this device can monitor unscrambled Yerk communications, um, uh, which I've been doing for some time now. Some uh, unspecified amount of time has passed. Marco says it's a few long days um, that he has spent just kind of like going between Axe's scoop and the Chi dog park. Um. Because actually, Scoop has cable to be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or at least is the explanation given. Um, and uh, Cassie praises Axe at being able to do this. Um, Axe looks at Peter uh, and says, At times, you humans truly scare me. A mere four decades from first orbital spaceflight to this discovery of zero space communication. We Andalites may wish we had left you to the Yerks. So far, you Andalites have left us to the Yerks, Rachel pointed out dryly. Um, Zing! <laughs> which Axe, surprisingly, doesn't ride to the bait, rise to the bait. Um, and... He, he knows she's right. Yeah. Uh, and Jake's like, alright, so what have you heard from this device? And at first, Axe is reluctant to say anything because he's like, it's mostly speculation. I've only got bits and pieces. Um, and everyone's like, look, it's fine. Just tell us what you think uh, based on what you've heard. And he says that there's one very disturbing conclusion that he has drawn with limited certainty. Visser 1 has returned to Earth, but for a grim purpose. She is being held at the Yerk Pool. She is to be executed as a traitor. I felt my body stiffen, my heart stop. Marco, Eva is Visser 1, Dad said, his voice quaking. I nodded. From what I understand, Axe continued, death as a traitor means death by Candrona starvation. The event awaits only the necessary witness from the Council of Thirteen, who will arrive in two days. Visser 3 will then be elevated to the post of Visser 1, and... There are rumors, nothing concrete, but suggestions that the execution of Visser 1 is part of an overall change affecting Earth. Uh, so this is some um, bad news bears. Uh, not only because Eva is in grave danger, but because Visser 3 being Visser 1 and being able to do whatever the fuck he wants with this invasion means that Visser 3 is gonna turn this into, uh, as Marco puts it, Independence Day-style war. Drive large numbers of humans into infestation clamps, do it quickly and publicly. If he gets his way, the Animorphs won't matter. Everything will be lost. Millions will die. Human culture will be pulverized. And Axe hedges, he says, like, you know, this is only speculation. Marco points out that his speculation is... Uh, are like computer computations. This is more than a good guess. Um, and Jake is like, we can't let Visser 3 get promoted. Um, if the York forces change their tactics, that's it. Um, and Cassie, well, first we get this from Marco. What could I say? I just risked, risked everything, every one of us, to pull my father out of trouble. I couldn't argue now for a mission to save my mother. The situation was different, far more dangerous. It meant a trip to the Yerk Pool. And then Cassie's voice, sounding clear and innocent and persuasive. If Axe can't be sure what the Yerks are planting, planning, there's only one person who would be. She was taking me off the hook. 
She was giving me the chance I couldn't ask for. Every muscle in my face tensed until it hurt. I would not cry. I just wouldn't again forget that in some ways, Cassie is the bravest and the smartest of my friends. Still, I waited for someone else to speak. The image of my mother on death row, Yerk prisoner, Yerk victim, battered and beaten, bruised and broken, blazed in my mind's eye. Visser won, Jake said. I had to say something, had to let them know I hadn't lost sight of the realities of this war. So what if Visser 1 is our best shot at finding out what Visser 3 has planned? We risk our butts for her? Jake looked at me with eyes that said, give me a break, you know you want to save her. Listen, I continued more forcefully. If we can rescue her, and that's a big if, she'll still have the yerk in her head. Why would it cooperate with us? Why would it tell us anything? It won't, Jake answered simply, sinking my counter-argument, but we can starve it out. Is that painful? Dad asked anxiously. Would she survive? It's living hell, Jake answered, but it would be more fun than anything she's been through so far. And I just... Rachel glanced at Dad, then at me. Where will your mom and Dad go, she said. They'll have to leave the country, get as far from here as they can. I can't do that, Dad protested. I won't leave Nora. You don't have a choice, Rachel said coldly. Another twinge of guilt struck me like a facial tick. Nora was probably the one Dad wanted to save. He could have left the country with her, his wife, been fugitives with the woman he loved. I know a place, Tobias said. Good climate, no tourists, low prices, friendly locals. Uh, and they realized they could send them to the Horpagier colony. Uh, and we get this insight from Marco. It was the perfect solution to the problem of safety for my parents. Dad aimed a look of resentment at a far-off tree. An alien race of parasites had played God with his freedom. A bunch of kids had co-opted his free will. His life had been totally taken over. He understood his new reality, but didn't like it. Did I? My mind flooded with sun-washed scenes of peace and harmony. Mom climbing a tree next to Toby. Dad teaching English in a flower-filled meadow. They could act as advisors for the hork They could be unofficial governors of the valley. What was I thinking? <sighs> Which, side note, this idea that they could be the unofficial governors of the valley? Fucking hate Gross. it. Gross! It's Could have done without that sentence, because it turns everything very sour. Um, yeah, because up until that point, like, advisors to the hork Great. Good. Love it. Unofficial governors? No. It's just like, they are the free Hawkbajik. Can we not throw fucking colonizers yeah. their way in that sort of, ugh, it's bad. Yeah. Even the notion of unofficial. Mm-hmm. It's just an utterly unnecessary sentiment that just, as you say, sours the whole thing. Yeah. Um. Peter tries to have, like, a uh, uplifting moment with Marco, like, joking around, kind of. Um, a peace offering, like, recognizing, like, hey, we both know this sucks, and I know that you know I'm upset about it, but also, like, I recognize that this is the way that things have to be. It's this um, detail of him rhyming the th- mm-hmm. the last word that... Marco said, which is supremely cute, to be clear. Yeah. yeah. And I just like that wordplay is an established thing that the two of them do. Um, both mm-hmm. as just like a background detail and then the emotional resonance of him doing it in this moment. Like as yeah. a way to reach out to Marco. Mm-hmm. Um, but immediately the, the Animorphs are acting like, yep, this is the plan. We're going to go rescue her. Like, <laughs> Um, and they're like, how do we get into the Yerk pool? Uh, we don't know any Yerk pool entrances since they closed a car wash. And, uh, who brings it up? Uh, isn't it Axe has heard them talking about one? Yes. Axe has heard them talking about a new facility for docking and repairing bug fighters. Um, that, you know, they couldn't get into 
in just in morph because it has these really brutal decontamination procedures. But if they could fly a bug fighter in, they'd be protected. Um, and then they're like, all right, well, how do we, all we have to do is steal a bug fighter, I guess. Um, and, uh, Peter's like, you'll have to lay a trap for the Yerks. I follow, if I followed this debate correctly, you need a reaction large enough to bring in a bug fighter, but small enough to give you some control. Um, and Marco has an idea for how to do that. Um, we also get this line, um, I looked at him, my father never ceased to amaze me, never did the resilience of the human spirit. Mm -hmm. oh, dad's catching on. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, got to have a nice heartfelt thought and then just phrase it as catching on, just yeah. highest praise possible. But him recognizing the ability of his dad, not just to compartmentalize, but to help. Mm -hmm. And to get like he is listening, he is paying attention. Mm -hmm. He's working within the parameters they're setting, not coming up with something new, trying to talk them out of it. Mm -hmm. He is aiding. Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Oh, look, this is what it's like to have fucking allies. Mm -hmm. Can the kids have more allies?" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this whole thing of. Marco, like, feeling like he has to gain back his credibility by not being mm. the one to suggest that they rescue Eva. <laughs> but Honey, who you fooling? One, you broke my heart. Two, everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> they all know. Mm -hmm. And just the the kindness of Cassie who is always willing to be the person who says the kind but arguably, like, not smart thing, right? Like, mm. she is the person who suggests or who suggests things that they probably shouldn't do because it's the right thing to do, um, or who makes protests when they're doing the smart thing instead of the right thing. Um, and she recognizes that that's her part in the in the whole thing and accepts that responsibility and is doing that for Marco. And Jake then also backing her up on that and shooting down all of Marco's fucking mm -hmm. uh, half-assed... <laughs> Mm -hmm. It's a really lovely counterpoint to the scene in the barn at the top of the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like this time, like Marco is seeing, like seeing this for what it actually is. Which, to be fair, I think the stuff at the top was was being done in the same spirit as it of this, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. now he's got this perspective on it and understands where it's coming from. And it's yeah, these kids love each other. They do. It isn't just that they are co-soldiers. Yeah. Um. And then we have Marco doing... I thought this was Axe at first, briefly, in Human Morph. <laughs> That's what, to give you a clue of how this is written, because like, this is the weirdest, stilted-ass way of talking. Um, but then it occurred to me that I think it's Marco doing a southern accent. It is. Yeah. Um, so the plan is basically like Marco as some uh backwards hick hiker. type. Yeah, a hiker character. or a hunter. Like yeah. yeah. Has trapped a hork bajir Doesn't call it that. Calls it a big monster with blades like an alien. Um, calls it into the police uh because they know that all the cops are yurks. Um, and, of course, hearing this, the Yerks send out a bug fighter to deal with it. Um, the bug fighter comes down, lands, sees a hork in a bear trap and a cowering hunter-type person. Um, and the pilots come out. It's like two hork and a taxon. They come out of the, the fucking bug fighter and just get fucking wrecked. Yeah, they, their shit gets owned. Uh, because Rachel and Jake and Axe 
um, are all right there, uh, ready to take him out. Uh, and Cassie, excuse me. Um, and so once they've taken him out, they, Tobias demorphs, because he was the hork in the trap. They all crowd into the bug fighter, and they're like, all right, now how the fuck do we get to this Yerk pool? Yeah, Marco um, acquires uh, one of the hork as a morph. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do get this detail, and I noticed it a few times in this book. Uh, there's a lot of knocking out hork but not killing them now. Mm. As they move on, which is a is a thing we like to see. Yeah. Um, and there's also just this interesting element of the fight of Marco not being able to get involved and not even being able to like call anything out because he's as himself. He's not in morph, so he can't thought speak to help, and he just has to sit there and bear witness to this fight. Mm-hmm. And he hates it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is. Like the Marco who didn't want to fight, didn't want to get involved, hating being a bystander to it now. Mm-hmm. Um, Thankfully, we now get the relief of a comedy <laughs> piloting sequence. Of, yeah. It's very, uh, one, I, co- I compared it to some of the descriptions we've um, seen of Marco driving, but what mm-hmm. it really reminded me of. Um, uh, if y'all haven't seen it, it's a f- quite a fun, charming little movie from the 80s called Flight of the Navigator, um, which has like a teenager, preteen, like having to pilot a spaceship. But there's lots of like mishaps as he's first kind of learning how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it reminded me a little bit of that. But uh, that film, I think I haven't watched it in a while. But I think it holds up pretty well. And there, there's some time travel shenanigans. Uh, it has Pee Wee Herman as the voice of the ship. Um, it's very funny. I think he scans like, uh, the ship scans like Earth technology to find a voice the kid will get on with and settles on Pee Wee Herman. Um, and then does those sorts of voices throughout. Watch the film. It's good. Check it out. Um, but yes, because this is the latest model of Bugfighter. I do like that there's the detail of they'd be like, whoa, is this like a really like fancy version? And Axe being like, no, nah, this is a basic bitch Bugfighter. It's just the newest one. Um, he, of course, doesn't describe it as such, but I do because it's funny as fuck to have <laughs> Axe like, God, good. Let me just be snooty about technology. I'm having my world rocked enough, quite frankly. <laughs> Um, and I need to trash talk another civilization's technology for a bit. <laughs> um, and then there's lots of getting slammed around the ship. Um, yes, because Axe is try not to very good at piloting up. this. <laughs> he gets better, to his credit. He gets better, yeah. Um, he does figure it out eventually. Uh, I do like Cassie, like, maybe you could read the Emmanuel um and he's like no no that'll not be necessary i've got an idea we're just gonna turn the autopilot on um because all low-level yurt combat ships are programmed to return to base automatically if flight if flight begins begins to seem uh erratic uh a safety precaution has he asked no a security measure the yurks don't trust their own pilots which love that as a detail i think that's great um just like the awareness of the Yerks higher ups mm-hmm. of the flaws in their own system. So having to do safety measures for it is just super interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get some banter about everyone should be wearing their seatbelts um, as he tries to pull everybody off him. Cause there's this one point where they pitch towards the fucking ground. It's terrifying. Lots of G force happening um because they need to dive down into the water which is freaking everybody out and then it doesn't and then it's just like oh acts like okay i think we need to go faster um (laughs) and they're like what um underwater won't that kill us at these velocities death is also always a possibility (laughs) um (laughs) and it does work they're able to do it 
Um, we, but they basically go practically into orbit, mm-hmm. um, like upper atmosphere, uh, just so they can pick up enough speed uh, to go down again with the with what they need. Uh, we get the comparison to uh, shooting off rubber bands, mm-hmm. um, and it's been stretched to its limit, and he knows what happens next. The ship dives down into the water. It is one of the most terrifying things they've done, um, rushing towards a blue wall of death at a million miles an hour, as it's described. Everyone's screaming, including Axe. <laughs> um <laughs> But hey, they made it. They're underwater. There's fish swimming around. Um, they're a submarine. And we get the lovely little visual of Rachel is holding onto Tobias loosely but protectively. Because uh, mm-hmm. obviously they can't put him in the ship's safety restraints. Um, and Cassie and Jake are holding hands, uh, clutching hands, I should say. Axe is like wobbly as all hell. <laughs> no one says anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But um, they're heading along, being taken along by the autopilot, and then this massive object comes into view in front of them, um, a ship, but like a, a human ship, like sea craft, um, described as being lost ships of the sea, terror, treasure, and discovery. Um, but they all morph hawk the plan is to just walk in because nobody's going to look twice at uh, Hawk Bajir, thinking mm-hmm. it, they'll just assume it to be a controller. It works. Um, it does. The ship is like has been rigged to be like a secret door um, and just like open, like a, the hull like opens. Um, we get the notion of, um, or Axe explains about like these radiation screens. Because there, as a bunch of dead fish and other sea creatures pour out from the battleship opening, mm. um, and Axe explains that that they would have been killed by these protective devices for the battle stations, but they make their way in to an empty uh, docking bay, and they've made it. They're there. Mm-hmm. They uh, now they're all Horkbajir. They disembark. They walk through the hangar just fine. Um, there are so many ships in here that they, they notice. Yeah. Um, and uh, they get into the York Pool proper. And at first they're like, all right, well, now we got to split up and search for Visser 1. But nope, you don't got to. Because so uh, she's just tied to a stake in the middle of the York Pool. Like... <laughs> Visser 3 being extra, I just saw the fact that there's a Megamind GIF in the server as I clicked over. (laughs) Very much so. Um, It's very... um, I forget which person it was that got the punishment um, of being um, stuck in, like, water uh, up to a certain height with food just out of reach above his head and could Mm. never reach the food or the water mm-hmm. would always move away from him um and this is it this is visa three has had visa one pull surrounded by candrona but unable to partake of it so just to add like an extra mind or mental factor to the torture mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. candrona starvation yeah um, they're all kind of like wondering, all right, well, how do we get her fucking out of here? Because she's stuck in the middle of the earth pool. We can't just, you know, walk up and take her. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, essentially, they. <laughs> this is Buck Wild. Jake comes up with this plan, and Axe is the first one to get it. <laughs> because Jake just kind of like turns and looks back the way they came towards the hangar, like judging the distance and the size of the opening into the York pool. And Axe is like, I'm a very good pilot, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'm, I don't know if the York ship is up to that. Um, and basically Rachel is like, are we going to fly her out? And Jake's like, they've got a better idea. (laughs) Back to Mm -hmm. the ship. (laughs) 
so they just like walk back to the ship, um, and then Jake is stopped and questioned about why the ship was overdue. Um and and basically he's like, Oh, we had a malfunction and it took a while to to get back. Um and one of the controllers is like, that's a lie. There was a full system check. Nothing is wrong with your ship. And Jake's just like, scatter. And everybody <laughs> scatters. Uh, there's a um, very, very chaotic fight next. Because uh, Jake, they, this wall of hope as you're trying to restrain him, it's just like, note to self, do not attempt to contradict Yerk's security forces. It only <laughs> leads to mayhem. <laughs> and then we have a full get to the chopper line from Jake. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is chaos. We have a brief moment yeah. where everyone panics that Jake's been hit by dragon fire, but he's managed to uh, hide out of sight. Mm-hmm. And um, in the chaos, Axe and Tobias demorph uh, and are able to do some very effective fighting, as they so often do. Um, mm-hmm. They grab... Uh, they disarm the security force and then are able to make it look like they're firing the others who are still in Hawkbashir morph, make it look like they're firing at the Andalite as they run after Axe, purposely missing, which is, mm-hmm. mm, love this. Yep. But uh, everyone is running for their fighters at this point because there is clearly chaos going on. Um, then... <laughs> um, Marco has to contend with seeing like an army of Hulk-Bajir pouring through the connecting tunnels. Like, did I need to see that? Was that good for morale? No, it was not. Um, but he's able to like shout, oh, the, the traitor's over there, which is enough of a distraction for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, and Jake is like roaring, get your butts in the ship. I'm inside. I'm waiting. Uh, Marco's lost track of Rachel and Cassie, but is able to uh, get to the ship himself. And they are. Marco gets aboard. Tobias is inside. Um, let's cruise for some chicks. <laughs> I could be already saying to myself, I lost the girls. Um, they're able to pick them up easy enough, uh, hiding out behind a maintenance pod. As they ride the carnival ride from hell, as the bug fighters dipping up and down, but still like mid morph, Marco reaches down. They're able to get Cassie and Rachel up into the ship, and then we have just this is chaos in the best way. Um, we get the visual of a tethered uh, bug fighter effectively ripping itself apart in the process of trying to chase after them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wisdom of do not attempt to fly a ship undergoing maintenance, something is bound to go wrong. Um, but Axe is able to utilize the, uh, Draken beams on the bug fighter to make the tunnel just a little bit wider so they can scrape their way through, but mm-hmm. they make it into the Yerk pool. Um, Marco takes over at the can- Draken Cannons after Jake misses. <laughs> um, but, but they destroy like an outbuilding, um, and, and then an unmanned earth mover. Um, it's very deliberate, the damage that they're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, very non-lethal, which I find an interesting choice. Um, and then Marco takes aim at the edge of the pool, just at the tank, not at the Yerks, not at the controllers, but at the symbol of enslavement. Um, a low power burst made at the tank wall, made the tank wall melt. No major damage because I wasn't trying to destroy it. I was just trying to get everyone to run. Uh, and it works. People mm-hmm. are definitely running. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marco and Rachel jump out, um, onto the piers. Rachel is Holt Bajir, mm-hmm. um, Marco and Grillamorph, as mm-hmm. previously established. Uh, and they manage to untie Eva and they jump her onto 
a pier in the process of jumping from one pier to the other. Visser 1, the Yerk, makes a break for it. She tries to crawl out of Eva's ear to fall into the pool, but she times it poorly. And she falls instead onto the pier itself. 